now it's working. So just so everybody knows, I am with my mom and my dad. I had taped a podcast with my dad at Tory Pines Golf Course on Monday night, and it was a really good one. Very interesting. A lot of interesting stuff that you might have to repeat. <laughs> and um, and when I put the um, memory card in the computer, because I wasn't like, I wonder if I did this right. All that I recorded was me saying, wait a second. Oh, fuck. Um, because I had realized that I had not recorded anything. But so here we are. But now we're joined by mom also. So it's mom and dad. And mom is a little shy. Are you, but you don't have to be shy. There's no camera. There's no. And you don't have to say anything if you don't want to. And dad was very calculated with a lot of his questions. We may have to repeat them. <laughs> um, but and we'll see what happens with that. And you guys are out for Thanksgiving. You can talk anytime you want. Okay. Yes, we are. Okay, good. All right, there we go. Just <laughs> testing. Make sure that microphone works also. Um, well, I will tell you that uh, the Monday night conversation was very interesting. I'm so <laughs> bummed. I'm bummed out. Nobody, uh, nobody will ever get to hear that one. That's true. Yeah. So we may, we may, I may ask you the same, some of the same questions, um, but. Uh, Hopefully I won't because now we have mom and she may have different answers than you or she may not say anything for this entire hour. What you, what are the chances of mom not saying anything? Reasonably high. Reasonably high. Uh, are we, I want to know, going to ask the questions that some of your folks, that some of your folks wrote in that they wanted answers to? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I'll get my phone and we'll do that. Right. So, yep. what you know what? Just to get us started, do you want to start with that? Just kind of loosen us up a little bit. Yep. Okay, that sounds good. Mom, that might get you a little, might loosen us up a little bit here. Um, now, unfortunately, everybody, the Twitter questions you sent in are buried so deep on my timeline that I don't know where to find them. But I do. I can go to Face Crack. And pull those up. Those are easy. Um, okay, here we go. Let's start just to kind of ease us in a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, Lori would like to know what's the worst thing that I did as a teenager. Well, the worst thing you did as a teenager, I think you should be able to tell them yourself. But it had something to do with a mythical dog. Yes, I it was actually had something to do with the promise of the naked girl on the other side. That's true. That's true. But the dog. We, the were, we were much more satisfied with the dog than the naked girl. Well, I, but there's a part of that story, too, by the way, that I think is super funny. And, and we'll get to the end of that. Do you, uh, OK, so I had I had been out with friends. It was after my senior year in high school. And um, there were two girls who talked about going skinny dipping. And they said, do you want to meet us there? And we said, yes. But we thought we would. I mean, that was the dumb, dumbest question anyone's ever asked me. Um, but we said yes. But we thought we'd beat them there because we knew a shortcut. So I took a I tried to take a really hard left doing, I don't know, way too fast in a station wagon. And I don't know if you know much about station wagons. They don't 
the handling on they're not meant to like hug the curves they're more like battleships yes um and so it i jumped right up over a curb and basically i hit the tree in the dead center of the car like you know where that dash is in the license mm -hmm. plate mm -hmm. that's where i hit the tree and we hit the windshields and it was not great and but i when the cops came i said that a dog jumped in the middle of the road and i swerved to avoid it problem was there was no there were no tire tracks or no skid marks so if i did try to avoid it i didn't try to put the brakes on and the best part about the story is that one of you believe me one of you did not that's correct i think the police probably checked in the neighborhood and found that there were no dog owners anywhere to be found but i don't know if they went door to door searching for dogs <laughs> That one policeman who hated you would have done that. Yeah, but you know the guy, the EMT who showed up was my youth football coach. Really? Yeah, that was oh, the crazy part. Didn't know that. He was he was super a super calming effect. Now, do you remember what you said when Jonathan called you? I'm going to be misquoted by son number three. <laughs> okay, all right. I mean that the quote that got back to me, and it was funny. I mean, do you know the quote? I'm pretty sure I know the quote, but I don't want to <laughs> incriminate I don't want yourself. To hear it from you. Maybe Jonathan said, called you. You were in California, I think, at the time. Yes. Yes. And said, Josh has been in a car accident. And now the myth, the story goes, you said, which car was he driving? That's the, that's the, that's how the story goes. That's, that's right. That's the one he tells. It's and, a funny story, by the way. Yeah, and, well, you, we might as well leave it th that way. But what I did say that, but before I said that, I said, is Josh okay? Right, right. Either one. I mean, it's funny, hindsight being what it is. Right. Okay. Um, that was, Mom, do you agree that that was the worst thing that I've ever done as a teenager? It's the worst thing we know about. Good answer. The other question is, what do you think is the worst thing you've ever done? As a teenager, what was the worst thing I did? Well, oh, right. I put a hole in that in our dining room floor when you guys were in Israel. Yeah, we, I dropped. We dropped that, and then remember, I moved. <laughs> I moved the dining room table over six inches because I thought that you just wouldn't notice. I moved the rug and the dining room table over six inches, and then the first thing you said when you got in the house, you're like, "Oh," and we're like, "Hey," and you're like, "Why is the dining room table over?" And I was like, "It's not," and you were like, "Yeah, it is." And I, I guess at that age. I did. There's no way. I thought there's no way they'll they'll see that the dining room table. But I, if my dining room table was six inches over, I would know. Exactly. Yeah. But I. But there was a little hole in the floor. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my favorite stories is remember when that possum got in the house? Oh yeah, that was a great story. So we were fixing. You guys were fixing the. We were changing the floor in the room in, in the room. where the so dining room was. The floor was open. Pulled up. And so there there was holes in it, and there, a, a possum had gotten into the room. And so I saw the possum. I don't know how old I was, maybe. How old do you think I was? Because Danny was in the house, too. Yeah. So I had to be somewhere around 13. Yeah. So 13, and Danny's there. and, and um, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth age. So 13, 14, somewhere around there. And so Dan and the possum was kissing. Yeah. It's, kiss. And I, we ran into the uh, <laughs> Rocky. Rocky. Is that a possum? Is that a possum? My dog, Rocky. We ran into the living room. And it was me and Danny and Mom. Well, I saw the possum when I came home from work. 
I said, in the living room. We sat down, shut the door, and waited for Dad to come home. Dad came home. He hung up his jacket over the possum, where the possum was, where those hooks were. Do you remember you walked in, and you were like, what's going on? And we were like, did you see the possum? And you were like, what possum? And we walked back, and you had hung your coat up over where the possum was. And so <laughs> it was great. You walked into the garage right past the possum. You grabbed a shovel, mm-hmm. like a snow shovel. Mm-hmm. The possum was looking at you, and like, <laughs> you bapped it on the head. So no, it was no, a little no, 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 no bapping. No bapping. Didn't no you bap bapping. it? No, the no d- open the door. You shoveled, shoveled it out. The, shoveled the uh. possum onto the shovel and tossed Again, it out. Stories after the years. The bap on the head was super funny because I pictured it in my head that it was kind of. But you, sho- I remember you shoveling, putting, picking up on the shovel and throwing it out throwing the door. Out the door. It was fantastic. The uh, fa- possums are ugly. Do you know we uh, on in on Bellingham in the house that Beth and I used to live in, there was a there were two possums that used to mate under our bedroom window. And <laughs> Excuse me. Can that I just say really funny? Uh, no, yeah. can I tell you that the sound of possums mating is as disgusting as you think it is? No, much less disgusting. Disgusting. You never saw it, but remember we went to the London Zoo, and the hippopotamuses were mating. I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember that. There was a lot of noise. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that. The, I'm sure the people at the zoo were like, I don't know how we stopped that. Well, <laughs> it, it attracted a crowd, I want to tell you. There is a, you know, there's a gorilla at the L.A. Zoo that has learned to fling poo at people that mock it. We were there. I was there with Jakey. Well, I don't know if it's still there, but Jakey was probably eight or nine, maybe a little younger. And there was a. There's a guy like six people away from us mocking it, doing the and pretending to be a gorilla. And the gorilla was doing a little dance, like kind of luring him in. He was like, look, he loves me. And all of a sudden there was just like a, a, a shower of shit that just rained down on the dude. They started throwing poo at him. It was great. It was I was like, oh, they're, they're not as dumb as go you think. Go gorilla. Listen, the, the possum story. We weren't really putting a new floor down, but what we were doing we were. was... No, because every spring, every spring, a rotten smell would come out from under that floor. floor. And what happened every winter is some animal got in there to be warm, breathed in the uh, insulation, which wasn't covered up, Yeah, died. Wait, let me ask you a question now that I because, you know, things that you remember in your childhood, obviously you're everybody's memory makes a memory. Everybody's brain makes a memory. You did drill a hole in your leg with a drill, right? I did. You did, right? I think you drilled and then you came. This is what I remember that you came and sat down in the living room with bloody jeans. And I think mom said, what'd you do? Or why are you bleeding? And you were like, I drilled a hole in my leg. And that was it. No hospital, nothing. Just kind of sat down. And okay. Um, yeah, I know. For you, that does, that seems like no big deal. But you also walked around with a broken kneecap for 20 years. Um, okay. This was another question from Deborah Venegas. Did your parents know that I, you would get paid for your humor someday? Did you think that I would get paid for my humor someday. We never thought you'd be earning your living because of your humor. Mm-hmm. 
Is that answer the question? That answers the question. When that means, and so in high school, but when, and you know, so when I started doing stand-up, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys were always very supportive. Of course. You know, look, I it's you have a different perspective on parenting and grown-ups when you become one. Yes. So, you know, Beth and I talked about this, like, because, you know, sometimes when the kids were living at the house, if we chastised them or yelled at them, we'd walk into our room and then we'd laugh like, that was so funny. Did you see his face? Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. Or did that sound right? Did that sound like I knew what I was talking about? Cause I didn't really know what I was talking about. You know, you kind of commiserate. And then, you know, I don't want to say we made fun of the kids, but like we'll poke fun of them in the, but I imagine that you two, Beth asked me, she was like, I'm sure your parents did it. I go, I'm sure my dad thought about it, but there's no way my mom would do it. Right, you had to keep the jokes to yourself. <laughs> I, you didn't. You guys didn't go in the room and and no. make fun. No, no, we no. never did. No, we didn't make fun of you. Um, we <laughs> thought some of the things that you did were funny but inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but we didn't make fun of you. Didn't laugh at you. Um, did I? When did you have any inkling? Because, look, you know, I had guesses when the kids were growing up what they would end up being or becoming or if they would end up being the, the type of person. You guys never had any guess or inkling? No, or because we both knew, and <clears throat> maybe because of the way we were brought up or because of our education, I don't know, that we both knew what a process growing up is and was for you. And there was no predicting that process because... There are so many choices and so many variables. <coughs> so no, we didn't. We didn't guess. Did we just hope that you would be self-sufficient? We. When's that going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you always, even at, at um, even at our age, we think, uh, have we finished growing up yet? Yeah. Um, the. We had four kids. We were the same, and yet you all turned out different. What an interesting lesson that is in life. Correct. So by that time, we were not about to do any sort of predicting. We wanted you to f- to um, find worth and happiness in your life. How did you guys change as parents? I know how I did. How did you change as parents from the oldest to the youngest, do you think? We would change because the children were each so different, not because we thought how to change because of your age or because of your... Yes, but... But we were prepared to respond to the differences in each child. Right, because I didn't have a curfew, but Danny and Adam had curfews. Yeah. So did Jonathan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So how did I end up with no curfew? And playing football. And playing football. Well, the football was not my decision. Right. But how did how did the how did uh I had made my I had drawn my line in the sand about football. But how did I get no curfew? I felt I'm not like sure that I, you I know that you remember that, but I'm not sure that's clear. It, I think you knew the curfew and you came in on time. I had no curfew, but I didn't abuse the no curfew. That's right. right. I think you knew what it was. It wasn't a question of reminding you. I remember what what I said Monday. We, Curfew wasn't nearly as important to us as trust. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, we trusted you and all four of you. And I don't think there was 
and the abuse of that trust. It's interesting, though. You really do have to parent each child differently. You know, I've I've had conversations with with uh, the kids, and I've had one of them say, "I never got to do that. How come he gets to do that, or how come she got to do that?" And the truth of the matter is, e- they're different people. And we're at different stages in our life in terms of what we can handle and what we can offer. But you don't think, and I do, I know some of the mistakes that I thought I made um, with Trevor that I didn't make with Kate or Jacob. And I Mm -hmm. self-corrected. Not because they were different, but because I was like, that didn't work. Did you guys find any of that for you? Probably. But we can't, I mean, I can't remember. And remember what I told you on Monday, which was in in a story. um, When the school system, I've worked in school, I worked in schools for a long time. At one point, school system I was in, there was a huge push. We were all, as a bunch of professionals, we're going to develop a long-range plan. Um, So we would have meetings of the entire group, elementary teachers, secondary teachers. And everybody who's listening knows that the secondary teachers, school starts earlier for them, starts later for the elementary school teachers, so they don't, both don't get out at the same time. And I came into a meeting and the faculty was all complaining at the middle school that they had to wait around for the elementary teachers to show up for the meeting. And I said the same thing I've s- we said to you, to the teachers, which is fair does not mean equal. And then there was this. Yeah. The faculty shut up and we moved on. Yeah, that's true. But is it, because it doesn't. Like, there, it's, it's two different things. Right. Um, did you guys ever, when you disagreed on a, because every parent's different, disagree. How did you settle on, and can you think of something where you didn't think the other person was going to be right, and you d- did it, and you were like, oh, that turned out better than I thought it was going to be. Good job. I, I'm glad I listened to you. Can you think of anything in particular? I know mom's kind of smiling, so she's trying to decide if you want to tell a certain story. She will remember <laughs> She will remember any of this better than I do. Is there so, something yes. you can think of? I remember... Often, um, maybe too often, I don't know, but often waiting to see if Dad's decision about something uh, was the best decision or to watch how it played out. Um, Can you remember one in particular that you were like, well, that that actually worked. It's a good job. Well, football wasn't one of those. You didn't like, nope, football, not one of them. Mm -hmm. I think we can both agree. Okay. Um, can you think of one that did work better than you thought it was going to? I can't think of an incident, although I can think of one. I can think more in terms of trends. Okay. Like what? So we can start with sports. Okay. Whether it was watching sports or participating. My feeling was, coming from my background, that the emphasis on that was entirely too much. Too much on How, on the sp- on the playing of them, or just on sports in general. Sports in general. Mm-hmm. However, I generally didn't say anything at all. If I did, I said something to Dad. Um, 
because I also didn't know how that would play out. And I think on the whole, it played out very well because I could see what the boys were learning from that particular emphasis. I will tell you something. I think it's a, I think it's a disservice even to kids who aren't athletic mm-hmm. not to put them on a team at some point in time because unless you plan on um, unless you plan on working in a business where you don't have to interact with other people, where you may not be the best somewhere and you still have to figure out how to fit in, mm-hmm. unless you plan on never being in that situation, a team is a great place, to do, a great place to do that. It really is. I agree. And I, I feel like, you know, <clears throat> I, will feel, I feel like one of the mistakes that I made with Jakey, Jakey was a great... Mm. Jacob is great at being on a team where he is one of the best. He and not and, and not everybody's good at that. He's really great at scooping people up. You know, he's good at grabbing the three-legged antelope who's left by the waterhole and and no man left behind. You know, when he's on a sports field, he helps the other team up. He's he's really good at that. He doesn't hasn't found his place yet when he's not the best. That and I and I try to tell him that that same spirit you can have, um, but he hasn't. I think he told me once that he didn't have the confidence to be the guy who lifts people up if he wasn't. If they couldn't look on the field and say that his play is also lifting them up, and it's two separate things. It's two separate things. You can still be that guy. You know, um, there are clubhouse guys in baseball. Who aren't the best? That guy Johnny Gomes, who seems to win wherever he is because he's good at being one of those guys. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. I think you learn. You f- you see a lot about your kids mm-hmm. when they're interacting with mm-hmm. you. You're when you were growing up, mom. Youth, you and David and Judy didn't play a lot of sports. I did. You did. I was the. But one grandpa was huge into sports. There were no sports for girls. But I was the one who gathered up all my father's sports equipment and organized the neighborhood to play softball. It was boys and girls, and I did it the whole season. Is there? For years. Things like that. I loved it. But my father would play ball with my brother. Yeah. Right. Is there anything? It was was the time. It was the time. It was the time. Right. Is there anything that you guys can think of from your... I think that's Beth. Um, is there anything that you guys can think of from your parents that you can think that you remember thinking? I'm not gonna. I remember thinking there's some things I'm never gonna do that when I'm a parent. When I'm a parent, I'm never gonna do that. Things like because I said so and things like that, which now I realize sometimes they don't deserve an answer. They don't need one. The because the answer was no. You don't need an explanation, nor do you deserve an explanation. It's just there's it's not like a, not like a negotiation, right? Right. Can you guys think of anything <coughs> that you thought you would never do as parents that you ended up doing? Hold it, hey Beth, we're doing our podcast. Oh, hey Jakey. Hey, buddy. Um, Jacob's home. Um, what's up, Juber? <laughs> um. So, can you think of anything? No, um, Mom. Do you want to go first? I have to tell you that I think, 
and my brother and I think that we chose our parents well. Um, they weren't, as none of us are perfect people, but they loved us. They set limits. Mm -hmm. Okay, there was, you know, they supported us in whatever we wanted to do. And, you know, if I, if I could have been half the parents, you know, I'll be happy with, but my parents essentially. You, um, you, did you, was there anything you tried to mirror from your parents? Accountability and support. Well, you guys were always very supportive. Even though, Mom, every time I see you, you still tell me it's not too late to get another career. <laughs> um, I, I I know you guys I are also. Never said that. You just said that to me three days ago. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, but I know you're saying it half tongue in cheek, which is fine. Um, Mom, it's this is the world of podcast. People are. I'm nothing but honest here, and it's fine. I don't take it in a bad way. I I think it's very funny. You met Mom. You've never told me that plumbers always find work. Oh, I often. <laughs> it wasn't about you. Um, it was all for you. Was we don't have a plumber, an electrician, a doctor, a lawyer. Right? No, I no. Could, I don't know how to do any group. of that stuff. Right. Is there anything that you can think of that you thought you would never do as a parent from your parents, or something yes. you took from them? What? Oh, well, both. Um, I certainly took the kind of attention we got and their appreciation of each of us there was no question about that but I my mother had a quick um, temper and I promised I would never react that way I promised myself I would never react that way with my kids no you didn't I think I was maybe 13 the first time I heard you swear and it was an under your breath shit in the refrigerator something happened something dropped oh. but I was like Mom just said shit. I remember it sent shockwaves through the house. My parents never swore. But different generation, right? Dad swore oh, only when in he the car. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't swear in the car driving around in Boston? Right. <laughs> when none of his kids were looking, he probably did. But when he got older, right. he didn't care if Ellen was in the car or not. But the, that temper was had a big impression on the three of us your mom's temper yeah. Yeah. did so any of you did any of the kids take it did david or judy get it i'm sure judy hasn't and i don't know about my brother but um what do you think about temper and me you i've never seen you really have a temper right i but will tell you that that is one of the things that i learned with between trevor caitlin and jacob you know, I, I, Trevor had a completely different type of upbringing. He saw things he should have never seen. And so it was really tough sometimes to figure out how to dance around that with him. Because he had already, you know, it was hard to be hard on him because he was already shell-shocked. I mean, look, if I'm, if I'm looking back now, you know, I'm sure a psychologist, psychiatrist, one of the two, would tell you that it was, could be a form of PTSD. You know, a lot of kids get that. Mm -hmm. So I think he was a little shell-shocked going in. Um, you know, my theory was, 
I was way harder on the kids ages seven and below. My theory was if I set the rules early, I wouldn't have to set them later. Mm-hmm. Right? So th- they're conditioned to think that when I say it, don't do that, I was serious. But that conditioning never left. So it's interesting. I don't know if they even remember. I was never a spanker or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I did dro- uh, drop Jacob once, but that was not in anger. Purpose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember. Did I he bounce? D- I dropped him, and as he was falling, I was like, oh, no. Because there was that there was that little table in our apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was the apartment where the kitchen was the living room, was the dining room. And we had that barrel table and chairs. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Barrel table and chairs. Mm-hmm. And we're, that was the apartment where Trevor slept in the closet. Mm-hmm. Luxury apartments, Luxury apartments Luxury yeah. Apartments. Well, we all left. We all slept in one room, room right. and Trevor wanted his own room, so he decided to turn my <laughs> closet into his room. When when I was living in, you guys actually taught me a lot. You know, when I lived in that apartment, you taught me a lot, and I've tried to do that with Trevor and Kate, and with Jakey too. Um, you know, one of the reasons I had confidence to continue to try to follow my dream, even though at times it was iffy was that I knew that there was a net now you didn't help me on my day-to-day and there were days where I ate one meal and the kids ate one meal and we spread it out and shit was what it was and I knew that I knew you guys weren't going to step in because that was the choice I made but I also knew that I was never going to um I never I was never going to end up in an alley Right. right so that is an interesting lesson that I took away from that but that was part of the part of the reason that I that I'm still doing what I'm doing is because you guys gave me the confidence to know that I would never end up on the street. Was that basically? I mean, did you guys talk about that? Was that basically the way you were going into it? Which was, oh, did you see his apartment? Oh my God, let's pull him out. What was the mindset for you guys when, during that time? We wanted we we never wanted you to feel. That we were disappointed. Hold on. Hi, Beth. We're doing our podcast. Yeah. We never wanted you to feel that we were at all disappointed in your choices. Mm-hmm. Whatever your choices were, to continue or to stop or what you were doing or change. Um, because we had a lot of, we have always had a lot of confidence in your decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right about the safety net. We weren't going to let you fall through. Or any of the kids, Mm -hmm. yeah. But we also wanted, as you were, you were young adults. You had to know that your choices were. Your choices belonged to you; they didn't belong to us. Yeah. And um, well, there's a lot of we respected that. There's a lot of learning from. I learned more about myself in that apartment I can imagine. than anywhere else. I learned more about that tomorrow will eventually come. And then after tomorrow, there's going to be another tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so you have so many opportunities to change your path because there's an infinite amount. Well, not an infinite, but there's always a tomorrow. So as long as there's tomorrow, which is what my my 
my point of my, my point of view, but my mindset was always, well, this tomorrow didn't go as well as I thought it was going to, but there's always a tomorrow, right? So that was always kind of my mindset, but I would not have learned that if you hadn't allowed me to tread water in there. And that's an inter- the thing is like you, it also gave me the confidence by struggling it gives you the confidence to know that you can you can jump you can beat it mm-hmm. if somebody's always there to catch you then you never have confidence in yourself and not only that what those people are telling you is we don't have confidence right. that you can help yourself that's right we did feel that and we was there ever a time where you were like we're going to give him 6 months and then we're stepping in no 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 never because you would have come to us. We knew if we got to that stage, you would have come and told us that. Yeah. It wasn't like you didn't share some of what you were going through so that we didn't have to know every detail so that we could, maybe because of our experience, we could assume some things about what you were going through. Yeah. And it wasn't that we didn't worry. Of course we did. But we also knew that you would, if you really needed us to change our mindset or the way we were reacting you would ask us to you would I, tell us the other thing is as you said it's a delicate balance it's important for it was important for every person every kid to make his own way and the idea of the safety net changes for every kid mm-hmm. but it's we maintain that the the one thing i'd like to say is that um at your graduation um, high school or college college one of the nights we were sitting around a table in san antonio and all three of the younger brothers talked about and talked to all three of the younger oh adam danny me danny and jonathan Talk to Adam about how you learned from his experience that self-reliance is an important and achievable thing. You complimented him on his making his way in less than rosy circumstances. Sure. And so there are a variety of things that you learn from each other. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, did, did I mean, and, and you guys, obviously, you just said you didn't, you haven't project, you didn't project what we would be or the people we would be or anything like that. Um, it is interesting. I think every brother almost has taken the turn of being the oldest. No, not you're talking about caretaker. The oldest, the role of the oldest. All of us have at one point or another mm-hmm. been the oldest. Mm-hmm. An interesting thing that happens when you get older. You know what else happens when you get older? Which is interesting, and I am assuming it'll happen soon with my kids, is that you stop looking at your parents as super people, and you just realize that they're people who are figuring shit out, just like I was saying. You know, parenting is a fuck, it's a crapshoot. Like you're like, man, I hope this works. <laughs> I mean, I mean, whew, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and say this. 
So I hope whatever I say here works. You know, I, it dawned on me a long time ago that I've said things to all three of the kids that have shaped who they are. I have no idea what they are. Because the big talks, you know the big talks aren't the things that sink in. Right. It's that one thing that you say, like, hey, blah, 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 that you're throwing away, that they're like, well, I can't believe you said that. Well, you don't know, but the, the thing that counts the most is showing up every day. You know what's interesting is that, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. You know, I, um, I, one of the hardest things for me was when I started to work more and more and more and not being able to be at all of Jacob's sporting events. Because I kind of prided myself on, I'm here. I'm always here. No matter what happens, rain or shine, I'm here. That was a really tough thing for me to not be there all the time for him. Um, But also probably good for the two of us. We maybe needed a little separation. (laughs) Why are you both nodding your head? Did did you think at some point Incidentally, we're nodding our both nodding our heads up and down and not sideways. Do you did you guys at what point did 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 you guys think we needed he and I needed a little separation? Oh, pretty soon. Pretty soon now? Well, no. The point the point being, um, and this was true in some ways through baseball was a manifestation of it, is that we could see that you weren't living your exiting college from baseball mm-hmm. through Jake, but you were, the relationship was very important to you in terms of teaching him, mm-hmm. okay? Um, not that you taught him how to play baseball poorly, but it was really important for you to teach him a lot and I could, and I'm sure uh, Mum could, Ellen could, see po- the point at which it was heavy for, for Jacob. Yeah, I felt, think he felt a lot of pressure, which I, which I ended up seeing. But I will tell you, you know, when I – I think he felt a lot of pressure to, to be good. But I don't know that – I never, I never put pressure on him to be good. I, I encouraged him to be a leader, I, because for me it was never about good or bad. Like I, I was sure that he was never playing Major League Baseball. So for me, what was the lesson? And the lesson was on the teams that he played on, he was the best player. So the, the lesson for me was, how do you lead these people? How do you help the people? And give confidence to the people who are not as good as you. How do you want, how do you get them to want to come out even though they know they're not good? How do you get them to want and to have fun when they're out on the field at 10 years old when everybody else in their team is telling them they suck? That was the thing for me. Well, I'm not sure that Jake always read that no, he did the not. same way. No, he did not. He did not. So, but at this particular point, I would like to interject a plug for your book. Oh, okay, go ahead. Early on, you mentioned, I mean, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned about living from day to day. Yeah. In case you haven't read Josh's book, It Takes Balls, Danny Single Moms, and Other Confessions from an Unpaired Single Dad. It's on Amazon. It's uh, a great uh, holiday present, or if you're going to be on a plane or on a beach somewhere, go ahead. Okay. There's a chapter And if you buy there. it, you can send it to me and I'll sign it to you and send it back. Go ahead. There's a chapter in there about 
peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yes. Yes. Which the kids made in that very same apartment. Yes. With a St. Bernard dog that was bigger than Jacob, the youngest yes. of the kids, and who had more saliva than I think the police department had when they tested for DNA. And he was also in the room. Yes. They were sitting on the floor making PB&J sandwiches. That we sold. That we sold with the kids going up and delivering on the sympathy of all the workers in the where they sold it. Mm-hmm. We delivered in the little red yeah. wagon. It was really smart. It was smart. And the health inspector came. And shut us down. And really was very funny and sweet story. Well, that answers Enzo Rio's question, if you read my book, yeah. and what stood out. Um, well, there's a, well, the, the, um, the other chapter I would refer you to um, is a chapter, I don't even, I think, is it called Right Field? Uh, it, it is called Your Son is Not Derek Jeter. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where... Um, that talks about what you can learn from sport and that you don't get parents who seek to live their either their ineptitude or their didn't get as far as they wanted to through their kids gets played out and Josh teaches the parent and the kid teaches the parent about what sport Little Benny. should be about. Um, yeah, I remember that. Did you, did you, mom, were... Did you enjoy coming out and watching us play sports? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing I I regretted um, often was because I was working full-time while you guys were growing up, was not participating as much as I wanted in your school life. But I always took my bike. We divvied up the games when you mm-hmm. were all playing games. Um, at the same time. And, but Dad had to stay with one team. I took my bike between the two other teams or three other teams. I remember. Yeah. I will tell you, you guys were always very present, which is something that I do remember, which is something that I tried to be also, which is why being on the road for me was so very difficult. Because the, looking back, the being present was super important to me as a kid, even though, look, Dad, you're not the most vocal person, but it didn't matter because the just the knowing that you guys were present was very was very important. So that's why being on the road was really t- it was a it was it, it was look I was out doing what I loved doing, but at the same time, the when when I got off stage and got back to the hotel room, it was a very lonely existence because I knew what I was missing. That was really a very difficult one for me. But you did notice when I was smoking cigars. You guys used to smoke cigars. I didn't, you guys used to smoke big, thick cigars. cigars. And I didn't know it was a, it was funny. I didn't know it was peculiar until someone made a, your mom smokes cigars jokes. And I said, so, and they go, do you know anybody else's mom who smokes a cigar? And I said, no. And they go, no, that's because none of them do. And that was it. Yeah. Except. I, I didn't mind. I knew nobody else did. We didn't like I it. had lots of, but what did, do you remember what you did about that? I think 
It was very clever. I, I think I forget how I got you guys to stop. You do forget? Yeah, how did I? D- oh, we remember and repeat it often. How did I get people. you to? You came home one day and said, you know. I'm smoke. I'm breathing a lot of secondhand smoke around. Oh, oh it was so clever. You, you mentioned a health class, which and you were never in. and you don't want to breathe that anymore. Mm. And we both quit immediately. I don't even know where I came up with that. It wasn't until years later you told us the real reason you asked. Oh, us that to I was stop humiliated. Was because you were embarrassed about my smoking in particular, not Tom. Well, because mom Me. at that time no woman was smoking those big big cigars. So do you well at the time it embarrassed me. Do you re- were you embarrassed when you came to my first comedy show? No. And then you made fun of us for five or six minutes. Yeah. We were killed. hysterical. I killed. You did. You killed. Yeah. And we were hysterical. I was. Was I nervous before the first show? You were white. You were so nervous, and I said, "You know, honey, you were very young." Yeah, fifteen. You know, honey, you don't have to go up there. And you looked me straight in the eye, and you said, "Yes, I do." I was so impressed. You forgot about his foot that was going a mile a minute. Do you remember what I wore that night? No. I wore, just so everybody gets a good mental image, I had a a bit of a mullet. I was wearing a white mesh three-quarter length shirt with nothing underneath it, a thick silver chain, a kind of whitish acid wash jeans tucked into my high tops. Hello, Western Massachusetts. I fit in very well. You, you, you didn't break out in an Elvis song, though. No, 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 no. But I could have. I did later in my career. Did you? Is has there? Let's pretend it's already happened. Was there a specific time? Your mom's pushing the microphone away from her to you. Was there a specific time where I know you were probably I don't know nervous about my career. Has there been a specific time where you were like you relax a little bit? You're like, oh, I think he's I think he's got it under control. Or has that not happened yet? Yes. Can you remember when that was? Um, that's about. Mom looks confused. Maybe it hasn't. Yeah, happened. Yeah, we've talked about this. That's about two years ago, maybe two, when we felt that. You got control of your material. Does that make any sense? A hundred percent. Okay. So that it was you up there. When that happened, gradually, your physical motions and your facial expressions became more natural to the material. Mm-hmm. You became a, a, an actor. On I mean, it's, it's interesting to me, sidelight, that... Um, the good comedians are consummate actors in stand-up. They don't necessarily, that skill doesn't necessarily translate to being in a comedy, mm-hmm. okay? But on stage, it's necessary. And over the, over the years, um, you didn't just write good stuff. You were able to really deliver it. And I don't know how you feel in terms of the audience response to you over the years. But for us, um, we think you as a comic are really good now. Uh, well, thank you. I, I feel like not, it was maybe a couple of years ago, two, three years ago. Um, and I, 
I maybe don't work on my craft as hard as I should because I, I unfortunately, I, my brain works more in a, you know, what's those knives, the, the Swiss Army knife. I'm like, oh, I, I like this. I'll take the knife out. Oh, look at that screwdriver. Oh, look at that corkscrew, right? So, like, unlike some comics who do comedy, boom. So there's some guys I know, and I'm doing a set tonight, but who are out seven nights a week, three different clubs in this town, and they do stand-up. But I like writing, and I like messing around with podcasts. And, you know, I just picked up a guitar, and I think my comedy has suffered a little bit. And also, honestly, when I'm in town, I, I generally don't perform because I've been on the road, you know, and I like to be here with Beth. And Hey, babe. I like to be here with Beth, and um, do you want to come and sit down? Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, so I don't, but I did. About two years, two or three years ago, there was just a sense of calm on stage, which I, and, you know, it takes a little while to get okay with the silence. And silence not meaning when your joke doesn't work, but sometimes you tell a longer joke and there's a gap, or you know, and you have to be okay with telling this story and still stay calm and in control. Um, but yeah, that did happen a couple years ago. And, you know, it, there, it takes a little while to learn to, that you have to, you have to fail to be good. You have to figure out what you don't do well also along with what you do, do, do well. Do, do, do. Thought I'd throw a little do, do in there. Here's <laughs> like the gorilla. Mm -hmm. um, here's what, I think it was interesting to me when you were with the cable guy. Because mm -hmm. the cable guy is about as opposite a comic from you as possible. There, To me, there are two ways of being a comic. He's a joke stage. teller. He's a joke teller. Yep. Okay? And what's amazing about the cable guy is that he can do an hour and a half. Larry the cable guy, everybody. Yep. Um, telling jokes. Mm-hmm. And he's got to have, I don't 379 know. punchlines. Yeah. We and counted them one night. Yeah, and, and it's amazing. It's amazing. But I enjoy um, your kind of comedy, which is telling stories about human foibles and people. Foibles sounds like a Three Stooges word. Okay. Foibles. Foible. That was a joke, babe. Quirks. Um, anyway. To me, I like that kind of story better where you get into people and not yeah. sort of jokes. And that kind of comedy requires silence, you know, and if the audience is with you, there'll be real science, silence because they're listening. Mm -hmm. um, okay, a couple more questions. Then I, we start a little late, so I got to get going. I got to set tonight. Okay. Um, and by the way, you know, interesting, we're talking about good parents. Every good parent is also, I wouldn't say a bad parent, but for all the good that you do, uh, there's an opposite effect. Like every, the best parent in the world still does some shit wrong. Like, so, you know, I think it took a while to learn also, like, what, what are the most important things? That your kids know that they're loved that you support them and that you that you are there for them, right? And then after that, you have to pick what you think is important. 
you can't check every box as a parent. Impossible to check every box as a parent. Because if you go, okay, I'm going to make sure my kid is structured, knows structure, discipline. Well, then, you know, the opposite of that is, oh, well, they don't really know how to live in a world that when that structure goes out of whack or they're a little too uptight or do you know what I mean? So there's no perfect. You can't check every box. So to me, you guys check the important ones. And then look, I, you know, the word dis- dysfunctional family, every family, what's your definition of functional, right? So I just want you to know that I think you guys check the most important box. Where are you going? Come sit with us. Okay. Um, all right. But, uh, okay. Yes. Like it or not, you are who you are, and your kids are going to absorb that 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Warts and all. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I totally get that. I, I, I mean, I see it more now as, we, as I get as older. You find out your own warts. Exactly. Um, <laughs> is there... It, it, so you guys had no idea or no thought of how any of us would end up. None. And you had no desire for one of us to do a certain thing or not do a certain thing? No. Mom would have liked you to be a plumber. No. I've heard that a couple no. times. No. I would not. Um, is there, was there one time, was there, was there a moment in my earlier years like after that first night of stand up, is that something you were like, I think he's going to. When did you think that I was serious about what, wanting to do this? That first night. I really liked you it. You had called me at work and said, I need a ride because I'm going to do. There's an open mic at the Iron Horse. And I'm thinking, what's an open mic? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you said, I need a ride because I can't get in by myself. I'm too young. So I corralled daddy and we took you down realized what an open mic was well, that was amazing. and we were hysterical um, and here we are you just never stopped we weren't going to get in the way with that at all you were going to f- you were going to find out where that took you and we had confidence in you yeah, you guys did you know I did some I drove to Seattle by myself and mm-hmm. went to San Antonio Texas and were two places I wanted to go where I no I wanted to go where not only did I not know anybody, but where our family didn't know anybody. Evidently. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, I, well, yes. What I loved about that is, you know what, is that you got to start over. You got to walk into a situation. I loved the idea of walking into a city or a situation with a clean slate where nobody had any predisposed ideas of who I was or what my family was or, and if I wanted to change something about myself, mm-hmm. it's hard to do that a- around people who've known you for 18 years. Very. But if I wanted to do that, that was my opportunity mm-hmm. to go to a clean slate. It's such a I, – I, I encourage anybody who has the opportunity to do it to just to go start and see what happens and see sometimes – you know, it, when I went to San Antonio and when I went to Seattle, I went clean slate thinking that both times, and I – was interested to see that I did change a little bit in ways that I never thought that I could around people who had known me for so long. Mm-hmm. It was a really interesting um, thing to put yourself through. And I love the, the zero safety net. You know, 
I've said a million times what I love the most about stand-up is that it's a great combination of being in complete control but also having no parachute. Because mm-hmm. you, when you get on the stage, you, you, you can fall flat on your face anytime, but you're in control of that. <laughs> it's like it's a crazy, you're, you could die, but you're in control of your own death, which is a, a, an amazing um, the feeling. Ul- the ultimate in understanding that your dignity is intact. Yes. As a human being, that's something that you, as a parent, you never want to take your children's dignity away from them in whatever way that happens, you know. And and that's you know, there's always a tomorrow. You got a choice. We respect your choice. You can make that choice, not us. Mm-hmm. All of that is, in terms of human dignity, um, you want to try to maximize a person's ability to achieve his or her own sense of self and dignity. You don't want to, you never want to take that away from somebody. From anybody. From anybody. We're going to end on that because I love that. Guys, I love you. Thank you for doing this. I'm going to go try to do some stand-up, and let's have some fun turkey tomorrow. All right, love you.